and welcome to the Aussie Pastor Live, right here on Faith FM. Welcome to the program today. My name is Lloyd Grolleman. I'm the Aussie pastor and it's September 12, the 255th day of the year and outside it's cold and miserable. It's spring. You wouldn't believe it. How are you, Andrew Hunt? Hey, good, buddy. How are you? Yeah, good, good. How's That's your good. day been so Mate's far? It's been a ripper. A ripper? Yes. Okay. Got plenty done. Okay. Happy to be in the studio. Glad to have all the listeners on board. Yeah, me too. Um, life's been treating you okay. You, how's your exercise program going? Because I know you're on a big one. You know, uh, you know how we had a shit plan this morning. We didn't do. Yes, I raced off to the pool and did an hour. You know, it's an interesting job, this job, Pastor. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. I have a day planned. Yep. I get it sorted out. I decide this is how it's going to go. I can put it in the diary. I can write it down. Today. Uh, I got my day turned upside down. In fact, I'm lucky to be here. Blessed to be here. Because Indeed. At one stage, I wasn't even going to be here. That's right. Uh, had a shoot plan this morning. That fell over. Had to go and, um, uh, well, visit someone, actually. And uh, it was an urgent visit and had to go do it. And now here I am in the radio, at, on radio, and hoping and praying God will be with us. We've, but we've kind of had this program ready, half the program ready for more than a week, Hunty, because last week we had a long interview <laughs> with Terry Johnson, who is the boss of the Adventist Church in Australia. It went way over time, so we only got half the program done. Happy to throw him under the bus. <laughs> uh, it was my fault, not his. I was the one who wanted to keep... Uh, it was a good interview. I wanted to keep talking to him. I find him interesting sort of a fellow. I get him on every two or three months Indeed. just to hear from the boss, see how things are, and it was going good, and I wanted to keep going. And so, really, this is half of last week's program this week anyway it doesn't matter doesn't matter glad to be here you want to start for prayer certainly thanks mate definitely father lord thank you for this chance again to lift you up high in our community lord i want a special prayer uh for our listeners today lord um anyone who's struggling with the meaning of life and struggling with where they're up to in the world lord i pray that you'll reveal yourself to them Show them that you are real and that you do love them, Lord. And I pray for our listeners that their hearts be receptive, Lord, to your Holy Spirit as he knocks on the door. And I pray for my mate, Lord, as he opens the Bible in Bible study. But, Lord, thank you for this great chance this afternoon, for this radio program. We, play, we pray that you'll bless us in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. I was um, thinking about this day in history. Thanks for the prayer, by the way, Hunty. Um, and I always ask you, do you know this person? Do you know that? And I'm going through it and I'm organising. <laughs> well, I'm going through it and I'm organising. I think I ask him all these questions and I'm asking, does he know this person or that? But that's because these are people I know in history. And just because I know them doesn't mean he knows them. I'm going to hack your computer one day and see what's coming up. Actually, I reckon if you are... Yeah, and that's the thing. Maybe our <laughs> listeners don't realise that, is Hunty and I don't really talk don't a lot share. about we this don't share program. secrets, no. No, we don't. We, go, I, I go off and get it ready and and the reason we do that is because we're trying to keep it fresh we and we're trying to give you from our heart what we think on things that can be dangerous actually andrew Hunt. Just for me. <laughs> <laughs> this day in history september 12 again 255th day of the year 490 bc the battle of marathon ever heard of that nope i bet you have actually oh ever heard of the marathon in the olympic games yes what is it I don't know how long's a marathon. Twenty six days, twenty six miles, twenty six miles. Twenty seven miles. Yeah. Are you able to look that up, Hunty? Yeah. Just want to talk about this. There was a battle idea. between the Greeks and the um, Persians in four ninety BC, and at the end of the battle, one of the runners for the Greeks, because the Greeks ran, won, they won the battle. So he has to run back, I think, to Athens, and it was the same distance as the marathon. 
And the story goes that he ran back and he got there and he fell down on the ground in front of the leaders of Athens and said, we are victory, we have won. How far did he run? 26.2 miles. Oh, that's not far out. How many Ks would that be, mate? Just roughly. Uh, Don't know. 40. 40 Ks? Yep. Okay. Well, he ran back, fell on the ground and said, we win, we had the victory and fell down dead. 42.19. They just did the conversion. Mm. There you go. He and, fell, he, and he fell down dead. He fell down dead. Mm. And that's where the marathon started. And that battle was fought today, 490 BC. And the Greeks, they uh, kicked Persian butt. Mm. They really did. Nice. In fact, they had a habit of doing that. 1683, another big day, September 12, 1683. The siege of Vienna was broken. John Sebesky, uh, he defeated the Muslim invaders. And the reason that's important, because it was at Vienna that the Muslim hordes were finally stopped otherwise. And this is why it's significant, Hunty. Otherwise, today, Europe would be Muslim. Now, yeah. part of Europe already is. Go to Spain, yep. especially. Yep. You find a lot of Muslims there. But they were stopped at the siege of Vienna by Roman Catholic armies. Actually, this there's a, there's a theory out there that Protestantism, that group of Christianity we belong to, can really thank the Muslims for its rise. Because while the Muslims were attacking Europe, Catholic armies were busy defending Europe. Do you get this, auntie? Yep, yep. That allowed Protestantism to take root and grow. Because if the armies hadn't been busy fighting the Muslims, the, the, the Roman Catholic armies, they would have been fighting the Protestants. Protestantism may never have got off the ground. Hmm. I, I don't know whether that's Interesting. you can take that too yeah. far or not. Yep. September 12, 1952, John Kennedy, President John Kennedy married. Do you know who he married? Jackie Onassis. Jackie Beauvoir. Oh, I thought mm. she was Jackie Onassis. Mm, I think that was after she married John Kennedy, uh, okay. and he died, and she married one of the Onassis boys. They got married this day in 1952. Uh, both have since passed on. Uh, John Kennedy, of course, was assassinated. Uh, 1958, I thought you'd find this one interesting. The first working computer chip was made by Jack Kilby. Cool. That's a long time ago, eh? It is. That's before... <coughs> Sorry, mate. Yeah, no worries. That's before, yeah. that's before you or me. That's it. Do you know anything about that or not really? No, I don't. I'm surprised, actually. Yeah. 1959, Bonanza. The TV series? Yeah. <laughs> Premiered in colour. It was the first TV program to do so regularly. Wow. Can you believe that they had colour TV in 1959? I didn't even see a TV till about 1970. Yeah, we were quite slow in Australia adopting television, but we were wise to wait. When we were kids, we used to sit in front of the TV with the test pattern on the ABC waiting for the <laughs> something to come on. Man. Um... In 2001, September 12, ANSAT collapsed. That was a sad day, hunty. Mm. I liked ANSAT. used to keep Qantas um, healthy and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. honest. Yep. Births, 1913, Jesse Owens. He's a black dude who won the four gold medals at yep. Hitler's Olympic Games. Upset Hitler. Tremendous guy. 1944, this is birthday. So Jesse Owens was born in 1913. Uh, 1944 on this day, September 12, Barry White. He died in 2003. Okay. Tremendous really deep. Space, yes. Yeah, yeah. I knew you'd know who it was. Basically. What about this guy, 1948, Max Walker? Uh, cricketer from Yeah, yeah. Straight with, with the big moustache. Yeah. Yeah. No, fast bowler, not spin oh, bowler. Was he a fast bowler? Oh, yeah. Fast bowler, man. Yeah. He had this funny action. He actually died in, in uh, 2016. I didn't know that. Uh, 1966, the Monkees debuted on TV. You know anything about them? No. Uh, well. They're an the, American group. Yeah. TV, one of the first. Rock and roll TV groups made for TV, yep. but they were made specifically to take on the Beatles. Beatles. I think yep. they did too. Yep. 1972, Paul Green, he was a um, a really good footballer and then became the coach of Canberra. He was born in 1972. He died a year or two back, 
2022. Very, very sad. Um, passed away. And uh, we still miss you, Paul. Uh, 1977, Nathan Bracken was born. He was a cricketer for New South Wales, Australia. And this one, Hunty, 1977, Grant Denyer. He's a pretty clever TV host, but also a pretty clever motor racing driver. That's very good. Hmm. I see, we don't talk. Hey, here's one you like. Yep. What's it special for today? Well, it's National Chocolate Milkshake Day. Oh, yes, please. And it's National Suicide Prevention Month. 13, 11, 14. So in the context of Paul Green, uh, who passed away, um, like that, mm. it, it's a special month. And, mm. and we might talk more about that in the next week or so. Although so it, it's, it's something we're very careful about. And if you're in depression or you're struggling, don't hesitate to go to Lifeline. 131114. What is it, Hunty? 13, 11, 14. Thank you, mate. Mm. And get some help. Uh, deaths, we're almost there. Uh, South African nationalist Steve Bilko, who's only 30, 30 years of age, died in 1977 on this day, in 2003. And, and he was famous because he, was, he died in police custody and he became a rallying call uh, for the African uh, people, uh, black African people, for freedom. Uh, and he was a good friend of Nelson Mandela's. And he became a rallying call. He was a martyr to the cause, really. Yeah. 2003, Johnny Cash died. He was 71. Uh, by the way, uh, Steve Bilko, the South African, he was only 30. Kind of sad. Mm. No, uh, 2003, Johnny Cash, he died. He was 71. You know a bit about him, Hunty? Yes. 2014, Ian Paisley was a fiery Protestant leader in Ireland. He died. Very famous man if you're into British politics and Irish uh, religion and politics. And in 2015, Moses Malone, one of the greatest basketballs ever, uh, he was born and he died. Sorry, he wasn't born. He died in 2015. He was 60 years of age, died of heart failure. Got myself a bit mixed up then. Mm. Word of the day, hunty. What's your word? Quetzal. A Quetzal? No idea. I said Quetzal, actually. Oh. Quetzal. Still no idea. Can I give it to you in a word? Yes, please, in a sentence. In a sentence? Yes. Yeah. Hunty, you're a good-looking rooster, but you're no Quetzal. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Great. There's got to be a backhand in there somewhere. <laughs> Any of several large Central and South American birds of the Trogan family having golden green and scarlet plumage. Okay. <laughs> so one of those colourful... Uh, Parrot birds, I think, from South America. That's why I say I'll take that. you're a good-looking rooster, I'll but you're, take that. you're yep. no cattle, Andrew Hunt. <laughs> so that is today, and as we launch this program, knowing what happened today in history, mm-hmm. I want you to listen, I think it's going to be, to my mate Billy Graham if he gives us a short message. The devil's business is to deceive you. He tries to deceive you. And he does in every generation by saying that you can give your life to pleasure. You can give your life to the making of money. And you can let these things be your gods and that they will satisfy you and you'll find fulfillment in them. And after a while, the bubble is going to burst. And when you're young, he tells you that you can take the drug route and find mind expansion and peace of mind by taking drugs and you soon find that you're in bondage and you soon find that you've been deceived you are being deceived you're being brainwashed every day by the devil and he uses every agency in the world
Sometimes I took the wrong track, but God's good, so good. And when I look where I've been and what He's brought me through, all I can say is God's been so good. But on second thought, God's been great. How great, how great is God's amazing grace. Amazing grace, the grace that sought me. Great the blood that bought me. song really enjoy that song um our beauty and it's talking about god's grace and the fact that we are saved i'm a pastor who believes we are saved in god's grace and god's grace alone there's no other way hey hunting news Yes, what do we got? Uh, Aussies are going to scorch oh, through yes. the upcoming weekend. Now, I'm sitting here in the studio and it's cold. That's right. Is it possible that well, this it's, weekend it's going to be 35 degrees? That's what they say. I wouldn't doubt it for a second. We had a big hot Friday last weekend. Yeah, but not 35 degrees. It was 30. I don't think I've ever remembered 35. 40. They sign up to 40 degrees in the West. Oh, dear. 
I don't think I ever remember that. Again, is this another sign of the fact that our um, weather is changing? Yes, definitely, definitely. Climate definitely. change? I mean, every week we're talking about this sort of stuff. Same, yeah, same thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, our extremes are going to be more extreme. So hot's going to be hotter, our cold's going to be cold. I just wonder whether we're headed for the same sort of experience Europe had this last summer, where they were just scorched. I mean, we've, we've talked a number of times, Hunty, about the way you uh, have spent a lot of time in Europe. I have. A lot, a lot of time in Europe. And you, what, 25 would be a normal European summer day? Well, if, if you're across, you know, Italy and across that, they have normal, you know, 30, 35 degree hot days. But if you're in England, 25 is a scorcher. But they don't have 50 degrees like they had no, ever. No, no. Ever. Last year that was their, or last summer that was their, definitely their hottest summer ever. And of course, poor Europeans aren't set up for the heat like we are. At least most of us have, well, I better be careful saying most of us. A lot of people have air conditioning. They don't have that over there and they were genuinely suffering. Well, let's see what happens this week uh, and this weekend and we'll report to you next week and tell you whether it was hot or whether it was cool or whether it was cold. That's it. Um, Climate activist target cars. I put this in for one reason because I thought it would stir you up. Oh, it stirs me up big time. (laughs) (laughs) They're called the tyre extinguishers. They're a guerrilla group, man. They're a guerrilla group that are breaking the law. Is it too harsh to call them terrorists? They're terrorists. They are terrorists. I actually watched an interview last night, on, well, night before, on a current affair. Where ah, they so actually, you've come across this. They actually had one of them or two of them in their studio to talk to them. Why are you doing this? And they're saying... Well, what oh, were they doing before? Sorry, okay, listeners so know what, what they're doing. What these tire extinguishers are doing, they're climate activists who are saying, big gas-guzzling four-wheel drives have no place in inner cities and, and suburbs. They're big, thirsty cars that serve no mm. point. So stop it. And mm. people aren't stopping it, so they're taking the four valves out of their tyres. So you come out in the morning and your oh, tyres are sitting on the ground. Okay, okay, okay. okay. It now, doesn't cost you to fix it other than put some air back in the tyres. Oh, it's just inconvenience. Unless you're a doctor or a nurse and you're on call and then there's lives at stake. Okay, okay. I thought they were slashing tyres. Just letting the area. Okay, okay. I'm going mm. to I'm mm. gonna have to ca- calm down. No, I'm not, I'm not calm then at all. If they touch my tyres, I'm going to go like off like a frog in a sock. And if you've seen Hunty go off like a frog in a sock, as I do two, three, four times a day. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> Seriously, I'm only joking. That's not true. Make that very clear. No, I'm only joking. Not, do, my my tyres are expensive. You sit them on the ground on the rims and you'll damage them. I can't afford to replace them. How much are a pair of tyres? How much is a tyre for a, one of those expensive four-wheel drives? Well, I've, I've got a nice four-wheel drive and I run expensive all-terrain tyres that are $300 each. You sit them on the rims for too long and they'll certainly damage the, the rubber. And I wonder if they'd count my Hyundai i30 as one of the yeah. gas guzzling yeah, they, drives. They, it isn't, but you'd be considered that too. What, even though I get five and a half, six litres per hundred? Yeah, these, these guys don't seem to discriminate. They'll just see a big car on the side of the road and go, let's get it. Okay. And what do you think the answer? Is, have they, they, have they got a right to protest? Have they got a reason to be worried? Uh, they have no right to break the law <laughs> and damage my tyres. Okay. Okay. There's no. There's no. There's no excuse for breaking the law Let, and, dam- and damaging my property. Okay. I'm, I'm not going to push Hunty too much further. I on dare this you. One. I, <laughs> I knew to be so, uh, close to his heart. Yep. Um, pay ID fraud. We, we come up with similar news stories okay. week by week. So what's now, going on with well, pay first, ID? First, what is pay ID? Because well, there's a, a lot of people listening who aren't even going to know what that is. Pay ID is a brilliant system. In fact, I used it myself on Friday for the first time. I don't know if you're aware, uh, listeners, but the company that does um, Square Trade, that does a lot of the point-of-sale kiosks and swipe-your-phone-type payments in shops, it was down globally on Friday. And so I actually got my first haircut on Friday, and the guy said, I can't take your money unless you can do pay ID. I said, sure, I can do pay ID. And here's how it works. 
as a vendor or a customer or a, or a business, you register with your bank to take pay ID, and then anyone who walks into your store, all you have to do is give them your phone number or your mobile number. They'll type that in their phone and hit pay this phone number this much money, and your bank then decodes it from the phone number to your account. Wow. It's fantastic. Now, here's the scam. People are selling like a couch or, a, or an exercise bike yeah. on Facebook Marketplace or Gumtree. Okay. So I'm going to sell you. Let, let's do it between okay. you and me. You're the scammer. Yep. I like that. Can you sell the couch? No, I'm, I'm going to sell my motorcycle to You're you. You're selling your motorcycle. Because okay. Because you've, you've had that crummy old... Um, <laughs> Uh, be, uh, what? No, I was going to say. Gonna, yes, crummy old BMW. <laughs> no, yours. Had, you've had that crummy old Harley Davidson. I'm going to see an 800 cc crossover BMW. Too fast for you, and I think he, my, I handles think my, too um, well for you. But here we go. So. I think my BMW, my Harley sold more than your BMW. So, so you mm. ring me up, and what happens? So no, you don't ring up. I text you and I say, yeah, I'd like to take that BMW motorcycle, and yep. I'll pay you the eight thousand dollars you want for it. Yep. Um, do you have pay ID? I say yes. Okay, send me the number. So I send you my number. Okay, so I say, right, sorry, I can't pick the bike up, but I'm going to send my brother around after work to pick it up. Yep. So I'll go ahead and send you the money right now, and then he'll pick it up. So they pretend to send you the money, number one, yep. and send you a fake in, a fake receipt, and you look at it and you go, okay, they've paid me, and you give the bike away, and you've just lost your bike. Or the second scam is they text you and they say, oh, there's a $45 transaction fee, which I... Uh, I need you to reimburse before I can come pick the bike up. So you send them $45 and you never see them again. And that's rubbish. There's never a transaction fee, there is there? There is no transaction fee. Your bank will never ask you for a fee. No one will ever ask you for a fee. It's all made up. Funny you say that because when I went to sell my bike and I... I you sold my bike, I think. Can't no, remember. you ended up in the end. Oh, was it? Yeah, but it was you, me. You did yeah, a bunch of tie kickers. And I had at least half a dozen to ten people come at me with that exact scam. Correct. So what's the way to avoid these scams, Hunty? Okay. Especially especially you, for our older listeners. If you're going to sell a couch online yeah. and the person says, I'm going to send my brother, then tell him, send your brother with the cash. You put, you pay him with your pay ID and you send him to my house with cash for this couch. Okay, so really the best way to do it is still cash. Or have them put the money in your pay ID account and don't give them the bike until you've seen the funds in your account. And when they ask you to reimburse some transactional fees, you just say, scam off somewhere else, dude. Yeah, because there's never a transactional fee. There is not a transactional fee for pay ID. They're getting smarter and smarter because we're talking week after week about scams. You rang me up the other day and I was onto it. Hmm. I've been trained by you, so I was onto it, mate. You rang me up about a Facebook scam and you said, oh, la, 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 stop, yeah, stop, said, stop, stop. Don't stop. touch anything, yeah. Because basically what they're doing is what they're doing on Facebook now. They're trying to get hold of your details, your account, your logon details so they can rip people off and is make money Is that so they can get you? hold of your credit card? Well, ultimately, it's so they can get people to send them donations. They just say, I'm as your pastor and I'm broken down in the middle of out of Broken Hill, can you send me $200? Do you think there's a day coming where Aussie pastor and other ministries won't be able to be on social media because of this? I think the scammers are smart and they're always way out in the head, but ultimately, the good guys always win and we catch up. It's end times. It is end you times. You see these things happening, and I'll tell you what's important to be on the watch out. Yep. And the one thing I like about having a relationship with Jesus is he helps you in protection these things too. And a number of times that's happened to me. Here's a girl, and she's given a tremendous testimony about how, and I like this, hunty, how she came to Jesus. Mm-hmm. 
My testimony. I was raised in a Christian home. I've known Jesus for a long time. I remember when I was nine years old and I started choking on a hard candy. My parents were walking in the house and I ended up behind the door and they didn't know what was going on. As I couldn't breathe, I remember thinking to myself, I'll see you soon, Jesus. I was so at peace with that at the age of nine. I wasn't scared. And then I felt something hit me. And the candy flew out of my mouth. Despite having a miraculous encounter with God, I still backslid. So as I got older, I wanted to discover the world. And I did, and it was ugly. That was one of the most darkest times of my life. I was not this happy, bubbly individual. I lost myself in who I was. I remember feeling depressed, alone, anxious. I never want to be in that spot again. I recommitted my life to Jesus at the age of 18. And my life has never been better. I need Jesus in this dark world. He's the only reason why my light still shines. Alrighty. I think it must be time for um, a song. What do you reckon? I don't know what's going on. I'm lost. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, we've just done. We're supposed news. to go straight into the song. I reckon we're straight into the song. Yeah, Matt, Matt Wood. Yep. Let's do it. When the music fades, all is stripped away, and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear You're looking into my heart I'm coming back to the heart of worship And it's all about you It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the It's all about you, Jesus King of endless worth No one could express How much you deserve Every single breath I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within Through the way things appear You're looking into
heart into my heart I'll bring you more than a song I'll bring you I'm trying to. That's Matt Redman trying to work out who sung that hunt. Oh, right. We, we have a bit of havoc in here. It says Te- Matt Redman on the run sheet. Yeah, yeah. Oh, a cool. bit of havoc in there, t- technically. Maybe this week, Hunty, not completely our fault for a change, mate. No, it would seem like the Faith FM app isn't working. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And so, if you, if you. You know when you're doing live radio, yes. Sometimes the listeners would out never, of a shed. We're doing it out of a shed on a farm. Yeah, the listeners would <laughs> never. Well, it's a pretty high. It's a pretty uh, still a farm. It's it's a pretty um, advanced studio. We still don't you. have a hard wire to the internet. We're still bouncing off microwave links. Yeah, but probably unless you had a really expensive two G, two G. Who are they? Two GB. Two GB or some of these others, you probably wouldn't get that sort of, would you, quality, or would you? Uh, if we had a studio, we could get hardwired to the internet. Well, we have a studio. That we could get hardwired to the internet, I'd be so happy. How would that happen? Um, what, what's, what's that mean, hardwired? It just means a cable goes past the front door. Ah. There's no cables, no fibre, so no when we're in, when we're nothing. in Wurrunga Church, we could have done that, eh? We had a two-gig link to Exitel there. We had absolutely unlimited bandwidth. Okay. Is that still pretty good? That's ridiculously good. We used to be able to. We used to be able to send a hundred gig file to the US in a few minutes. Okay, so we're we're working off. But we've done pretty good. We've we've had a few outs now and again. Not from the radio show. Yeah, had TV shows that drop out here. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. So, um, have we got Harold Harker online? Hi there, Lloyd. I'm here with you again. Good to hear from you, Harold. How are you today? It's good. Yeah, that's going good. Well, we're going to talk about the Lollards today. Great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting, interesting uh, group of people. Not a group of people I've known much about, but certainly they did have some sort of influence in their day on Britain, at least. Is that would that be fair politically and religiously? Is that right? They sure did. Yeah, they were gospel men, and that had a big influence in England. Brave, courageous men. Yes, they were. Yeah. Okay, let's let's find out a, a little bit about them. Perhaps tell us briefly who the Lollards were. Well, the Lollards were a group of people in the late 14th century. That's the 1380s, 1390s, and so on. They moved all around England as itinerant preachers. They were the gospel men. They were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was a pretty loose movement, though, wasn't it? It wasn't like it had a, a central office and was being organised by any great leader. It was it was a loose leader, a, a loose movement of faith. Would it be fair to say that? That's right. They they weren't organised, but they were very widespread. What great reformer inspired them? Well. They were a great follower. They read and heard John Wycliffe, and uh, he was preaching against the corruption in the church. And this group, they said, we don't like that in the church, and we want the Bible in English so everyone can hear it in their own language. Good. Um, What were they preaching, the Lollards? What sort of message? Well, they were preaching about Jesus and how you're saved. You didn't have to go and confess your sins to a priest. And so it was the gospel was the centre of their 
their message. Is that what Wycliffe was teaching, and was that his problem with the corporate church at the time too? Were they ta- well, and what I'm saying yes, is, were they taking their, were they taking this movement, were they taking their inspiration from Wy- Wy- Wycliffe? Or yes, they were, and uh, their beliefs were the ones that that Lollards had come, and they had no leader but Wycliffe's writings. Okay. That really spurred them on. So it was his writings, really, that underpinned this movement more than anything else. Correct. Would you call it a Protestant movement? Yes, it was. Okay. Did the Lollards want to reform the church or did they have larger plans? Uh, they, they didn't like the church that had become... Um, organized and like a big corporation the monasteries were becoming so wealthy and it was not like god's kingdom of grace okay so did they were they political would you was that too far well they were pushing democracy too so it was tempting to be political Okay, so they're preaching the gospel, they are pushing democracy. Kind of, it'd be fair to say, Harold, those two things do go hand in hand, though, don't they, the gospel and democracy? Yes, it did. You've got to remember, that was the days of the feudal system, yeah. and the was over everything, and they wanted people to have their own say. Okay. Um, how big was the movement? Was it a little movement, big movement? Did it shake England, or was it just a, a slight breeze? It did shake England, and they were right across. They were known everywhere as these lollards. So they were well known. Um, you said their inspiration was Wycliffe. Was it a Bible-based movement too? I think you've kind of tended to say it was, but, but was it? Yes. Wycliffe had translated the Bible, and this was used by the lollards as they denounced the church for not following the Bible. I suppose the church would react fairly negatively to that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Did they, well, that being the case, they've got the church offside. I'm, I'm gathering that a lot of the people just love the messages they were hearing from these people. What about the nobility and, and even the crown? How, how do they relate to the Lollards? Well, there were a few of the nobility that supported them, um, but, you know, like John of Gaunt and the Duke of Lancaster. But, you know, they were so widespread. Here is one re- uh, person recalled, every second fellow you meet's a lollard. <laughs> so they were everywhere. So they're having an impact. What about the crown, the king? Did he support them? No, no. He would see this as going against his leadership. Now, where it starts to get a little bit complicated is there was, in Britain at the time, a peasants' revolt, and it seems that the Lollards might have had their fingers in that. Would that be fair? Well, they were talking to the common people, and they were stirring the common people against the church, and so, yes, it would be seen that way. And while they were blamed for it, it wasn't their predominant message. And that peasants' revolt, of course, failed. Um, yes. But there was a lot of bloodshed. Well, the leaders were killed and they were strung up and everything else. Now, John Huss, living a long, long way away in Bohemia, I think, is that right? He yes. had an influence on these people too. Tell us about that. Well, you know, these people and their, their ones who were in the nobility, they had shared the writings and some of them went back to Prague and John Huss picked them up and became a leader right through that area, what we call his Czech today. So the Lollards had an impact not just in Britain, but in the Czech Republic, well, it's not the Czech Republic back then, yes. but amongst the Czech people as well. 
through the writings of John of John Wycliffe. And and John Huss picked it up and he took it. Sure. Um did Wycliffe support this revolt in Britain? No, he opposed the re- the, re- the revolt, but he was still blamed for it. Did it have an impact on Wycliffe? Yes, because in the end, he didn't support. He didn't live too long, and he had to, he died. But he gave Britain the great. English Bible that has really come down to us today. But this Lollard and Peasant Revolt certainly did hinder his work a little, it would be fair to say that. Yes, it did. Okay. Um, did the Lollards ever come under persecution? Well, for sure. 1382, they hadn't been going too long, and the sheriffs were empowered to arrest unorthodox preachers. And so... Any time they go out, they're liable to be arrested. You mentioned one of the nobles, John Hardcastle, Sir John Hardcastle, very important, very powerful man. Was he a Lollard or was he influenced by the Lollards and how did that help or hinder their movement? Well, he'd been a student of Wycliffe and while he was a member of Parliament, he became a headquarters of the Lollards in that area, so he supported them. Okay. So, do we know much about his end? Did he did he survive or? or? No, don't know too much about that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, were the Lollards important to the Reformation or he, not really? He, he really once they grabbed him, they took him to the Tower of London. There's no escape from that, and he died there in 1418. Okay, so John Hardcastle did have a pretty sad yeah. end, and he, he was a he was a powerful noble too. Sure was. Okay, that's sad to hear that. Um, tell us again, why were the Lollards so important to the English Reformation? Well, it was pushing the Bible as the authority. It wasn't the church, it was the Bible and the message of Jesus that was being spread right across the country. Did they disappear or did they just morph into the Protestant Reformation? Well, it, it had a, after the Peasants' Revolt, it sort of died down for a while. And it, Reformation came then a bit later. Do you think they? Do you think the Lollards had a part in preparing the ground for the Reformation, or was that taking it too far? No, I think they did. Uh, God used people in every age, and He certainly used the Lollards. And the Lollards were getting going in Britain really before the Protestant Reformation had got up off the ground. That's right. And so you've got this movement of ordinary men and women that just grew from Bible uh, reading, Bible study, and just went forth with the Holy Spirit. Am I right in saying that? That's right. So when you look back at the Lollards and you're a historian, what do you think their legacy is? Well, their legacy, remember that their influence was there for the next hundred years or more, but the Bible uh, being seen as the authority came to its greatest time during the Reformation, but Wycliffe is one of the great leaders who gave us that Bible, and we should remember that the authority that the Bible has is we are, we uh, serve God, we take his word, we see Jesus for who he is, 
and we follow him. It actually amazes me, Harold, that when you've shared through the years now on this radio show the different stories of great men and women that God rose up to do his work, he's always put people around them, hasn't he? He doesn't leave them, often not left alone, but they do have support. And here you have Wycliffe, he... he brought the Bible to England, uh, well, one of the men who brought the Bible to England, and God surrounded him by these worthy men and women. Beautiful story. Great story. The Lollards, God's men. Thank you, Harold, and God bless you. I think we're going to see you in a couple of weeks. Is that right? That's right. A couple of weeks' time, we'll be ready. God bless you, mate. You're listening to The Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. When I hear stories of people like that, I'm reminded of the faithfulness of not just the people, but of the God who they serve. Mm. And uh, this song, Great Is Thy Faithfulness, from Maranatha, pretty well-known music ministry worldwide. Um, It's a song, it's a hymn that was written many hundreds of years ago about the faithfulness of God to his people. And to be honest, one of my favorite. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. 
beautiful song from Indeed. Maranatha, Great Is Thy Faithfulness. A lot of people ask about Harold, uh, um, I was going to say about Harold <laughs> Harker there. Oh man, I've got to get my mind on the job today. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that happens. A lot of people are asking when they're looking at Russia. And the reason I think Harold and Russia, because Harold's been there so many times. He has. Preaching and teaching. Has Russia got a place in Bible prophecy? It's a great question, isn't it? It's Hunter? a great question. Because here you've got Russia, who's one of the main players in the world. They're going hammer and tong at Ukraine. I saw a newspaper article the other day. And, man, I'll tell you what, when you come to this Ukraine-Russia war, there's a lot of scuttlebutt in the news. You can just about take no notice of what's going on in the news. You wouldn't know who's winning over there and who's mm-hmm. not. And... um it is a, 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 a big question, prophetically, is Russia in the news? Not just in the news, in prophecy. I'm going to get it together. There's a whole lot of stuff going on here as I'm trying you, to you talk about I'm not giving you a time. This, this is a pre-recorded segment. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So, so let's, let's listen to, to Mark Finlay, who's one of the top, one of the better preachers uh, in the church I belong to, the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And he's going to talk specifically over the next few minutes of does Russia play a role in the end in prophecy? I think you're going to find it very interesting. Does Russia play a role in end-time events? Is the current conflict in Ukraine a sign of the end? Will this culminate in Russia defeating Ukraine, coming into Turkey, attacking Israel, eventually sailing to attack Israel, bringing its troops there, then having the Antichrist rise in Israel, driving back Russia, setting up his chair, his dominion in the temple of God as, as Christ? How does this all fit together? There are those who believe that Russia plays a significant part in the time of the end, based on a prophecy in Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. We're going to examine that prophecy. But first, let's notice what the Bible does say very clearly about wars, conflict, and strife at end time. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 24 gave to his disciples a discourse, a sermon on the signs of the times. He spoke about the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD as the Roman armies came down under Titus, attacked Jerusalem, and destroyed it. Jesus gave signs that would lead up to the destruction of Jerusalem. The disciples thought an event as cataclysmic as the destruction of Jerusalem must be the end of the world. Jesus masterfully blended signs that would lead up to the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD with signs of the end. And he gave as one of at least 20 signs in Matthew 24, this particular sign. Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 6, you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So merely because we see a single war doesn't mean the end. But then Jesus goes on, for a nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So Jesus predicts widespread war, widespread conflict. Luke also records this in Luke, the 21st chapter. The Dr. Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, describes an end-time conflict as one of the signs. Luke chapter 21, verse 6. Jesus says, After these things which you, which you see, the days shall come in which no, not one stone will be left upon another. 
So Jesus is talking about the destruction of Jerusalem. He gives you signs that lead up to that, but signs that are in miniature, but will be on a much wider scale before the end of the world. Then he says, verse 9, when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified for these things. Again, notice three words, must come to pass first, but the end will not come immediately. So Jesus predicts an unsettled state of society, predicts wars, rumors of wars, kingdoms rising against kingdom. The Apostle Paul essentially says the same thing in uh, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, when he says, in the last days, perilous or dangerous times will come. So the Bible teaches that before Jesus returns, there will be international conflict. But will that international conflict focus on Israel? Is Russia a fulfillment of Bible prophecy? There are those people who read Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39. They read the word Rosh, and they believe that's Russia. They read the word Meshach in the prophecy. They believe that's Moscow. They believe Gog and Magog refer to the Russian forces and their attack on Israel eventually. What does the Bible say about that? Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 38 and look at the total context to get the, the picture. Remember in the book of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 to 21, the Bible says, no prophecy shall be of private interpretation. What is private interpretation? It's reading a Bible passage and then saying, this is what I think the passage means. When we read the Bible, it's important to take the Bible in context. Ezekiel was a prophet living in Old Testament times, and Ezekiel is talking about attacks on literal Israel in Old Testament times. And he says, Ezekiel 38, verse 1 and 2, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, thus says the Lord, behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Mesh, and Tubal. Now, what do we know about Rosh in the Bible? Rosh is mentioned only twice in the Bible. It's mentioned in the book of Genesis. Rosh was one of the sons of Benjamin. This is the second time Rosh is mentioned in the Bible. What about Meshach? What do we know about Meshach? We know a little bit more. Meshach was the sixth son of Japheth, one of the three sons of Noah that survived the flood. In the Bible, these numbers, names Rosh and Meshach, represent enemies of God, those who are opposed to and against God's people. A good explanation of that is found in Psalm 120, the 120th Psalm. So when we're reading about Rosh and Meshach, we're reading about enemies of God's people, wicked, barbarous forces that would attack Israel in the days of Ezekiel. Psalm 120. And you're looking at the 120th Psalm, if you happen to have your Bible. And notice again, Woe it is me that I sojourn in Meshach, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar, 
My soul has dwelt too long with one who hates peace, for I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. So when we read about Meshach and the people of Meshach, they love war. Now, let me be very clear. Neither Rosh nor Meshach in the Bible speaks about Russia or Moscow. Meshach existed hundreds and hundreds of years before Moscow ever became a city. So what does Rosh represent? Meshach, Gog, Magog, enemies of God, enemies of God's people. As you study Bible prophecy, Gog and Magog are also mentioned in the book of Revelation. This gives us a key to understanding the significance of Gog and Magog in Ezekiel chapter 38. One more thing about Ezekiel 38 that's important to notice and 39. Gog and Magog do not win these barbarous forces, these treacherous forces, these warlike forces. Remember they said they love peace. I mean, they love war. They don't love peace. These forces do not win according to the book of Ezekiel. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel 38. Let's look and see what happens to these forces and try to put this whole story together, then make a comparison with the book of Revelation. Ezekiel chapter 38, you come to the end and it says, talking about Gog, Magog, Mish, Rosh, it says, Ezekiel 38, 22, and I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I'll rain down on him, on his troops, and on many peoples who are with him, flooding rain, great hailstones, fire and brimstone. Verse 23, thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. So in this passage, Meshach and Rosh and Gog and Magog do not win They do not conquer, they lose. Now look at Ezekiel 39, verse 6. And I will send fire. Now underline and circle that I will send fire. It's very significant, as you'll see in the book of Revelation. On Magog, on those who live in security and coastlands, then they shall know that I am the Lord. So what can we deduce from these texts? Ezekiel was speaking about wicked nations living at his time in the Old Testament period that would attack literal Israel at that time. Not speaking about Russia, not speaking about Moscow. The amazing thing is that when you come to the last days of verse history, Gog and Magog become representatives symbolically of those forces that hated God's law that despised God's covenant, that united to try to bring the world together. They represented those, that conglomerate of nations that would war against God's commandment-keeping people. Let's now go to Revelation chapter 19 and see how this all fits together. Remember, when we read about Gog and Magog, Rosh and Mesh, what are we reading about? a conglomerate of enemies that attack God's people. Revelation chapter 19. We come to the final climax of human history. 
And as we come to that climax of human history, we read in Revelation 19, Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus judges. Jesus makes war. He descends down the corner of the sky in flaming brightness and glory. His eyes are like the flame of fire. His head is many crowns. He had a name written that no man knew except he himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Why a robe dipped in blood? Reminder of the sacrifice of Christ. Reminder of Christ who died on Calvary to save all mankind. The Word of God. The faithful Word of God that his people have cherished. And the armies in heaven, clothed with fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. A white horse was always the steed that was ridden upon by Roman generals after they vanquished the enemy. So Christ is symbolically pictured. This is a symbol, of course, of coming down victoriously through the clouds of heaven. Out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that he should strike the nations, and he himself shall rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the Almighty God, and he had on his name and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So in the last moments of time, when God's people are oppressed, when the mark of the beast is enforced upon them, Christ steps in to human history. He descends on the card of the sky to deliver them. Now notice Revelation chapter 20. Where do do Gog and Magog fit in? When Jesus comes the second time, the Bible says, The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, not secret, with the trump of the archangel, with the voice of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. So get this picture. Christ comes in glory. The righteous dead are resurrected to receive immortal bodies. The righteous living receive their immortal bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 to 54. This mortal must put on immortality. So we put on immortality when, at the last trumpet, the second coming of Christ, we're caught up in the sky to meet Jesus. Remember, Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. Do you believe in God? Believe also in me. John 14, 1 to 3, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, Jesus says, I will come again. Jesus is coming to receive us to himself, not coming down here on earth right then. The dead are resur- living dead are resurrected. Right, the righteous dead are resurrected. The living righteous are caught up to meet Christ in the sky. What happens to the wicked at that point, you say? The Bible tells us, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 to 9, tells exactly what happens to the unrighteous. It says, And to give to you who are troubled rest with us, the Lord Jesus is going to be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, verse 7, in flaming fire taking vengeance on those that don't know God and on those that don't obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, who be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in the day to be glorified in the saints and to be admired in all those that believe. So when Christ comes the second time, according to this, the wicked will be destroyed by the brightness of his coming. The the wicked dead remain in their graves. The wicked living are destroyed by the brightness of his coming. 
what happens to Satan at this time? And what about this Gog and Magog? We're coming to it. Stay with me. Revelation chapter 20. So the righteous, all righteous are now in heaven with Christ, immortal bodies. He's come to receive them unto himself. They are caught up to meet the Lord in the air, according to the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. Then I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key to the bottomless pit. What is that bottomless pit? It's not some subterranean cavern. The earth has been destroyed by the brightness of Christ's coming. Jeremiah 25, 33 says the slain are across the earth from one end to the other. That's a slain wicked. Jeremiah chapter 4 says the cities are broken down by his fierce anger. The bottomless pit is not some dark subterranean cavern. In the Bible, the word is abusa sabusa in the Greek language of the New Testament, meaning a place of desolation, a place of darkness, great chains in his hands. Satan is chained by circumstances because there is nobody to tempt. It says he laid hold of the great dragon, serpent of old, who's the devil in Satan, and bound him a thousand years. So Satan is bound for a thousand years. But after a thousand years, he must be released for a little while. The Bible then says that, verse 4, that this, where are the saints, the people of God at this time? They're reigning with Jesus in heaven for that thousand years. Would the dead ever live again to receive their final reward? During the thousand years, according to 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2, the Bible says that the saints will judge the world. So we participate with Christ in that final judgment, according to Scripture. Then it says, the rest of the dead live not again till the thousand years were finished. So at the end of the thousand years, the holy city begins to descend from God out of heaven. John in Revelation chapter 21 says, I saw... The new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven as a bride adorned for her husband. So the new Jerusalem is coming down. The thousand years are finished. Verse 7, Revelation 20. Satan will be released from his prison. Go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth. Now don't miss it. Here's the second mention of Gog and Magog. Gog and Magog to gather them together to the battle of whose number is as the sand of the sea. So who are Gog and Magog in Ezekiel 38? They are symbolic of the wicked that will finally be destroyed at end time. What is all this about Gog, Magog, Rush, Mesh? Those evil, barbarous, treacherous forces that attacked ancient Israel, God's people, who violated God's law, who disobeyed God's command, are symbolic of all the wicked at end time who have been deceived by Satan, who've oppressed God's people, who've been obedient to God, who've oppressed God's people, who've, who've, who've loved Jesus and kept his law and had the faith of Christ living in their hearts. Now notice, he'll go out to deceive, verse 8, the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, could gather them to the battle of the great, uh, whose numbers as the sand of the sea, verse 9. They went up on the breath of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. Do you remember what we read in Ezekiel chapter 38? That Gog and Magog, Mesh and Rosh would attack God's people in the Old Testament. But they wouldn't be successful. They would ultimately be destroyed. So John in Revelation takes that symbolic picture and applies it to the end of the thousand years. 
the holy city comes down. And as it's descending, Satan now unchained. Why? Because he can tempt those who have been, the wicked dead have been resurrected. They come up on the city to take it, to destroy it. Fire comes down from God out of heaven and destroys what? Gog and Magog. Gog, Satan, Magog, Matragog, the children of Satan. And they are destroyed. There are no more bombs that fall. No more death cries because of exploding ammunition. Now, there are songs of praise. There are songs of joy. One pulse of harmony and gladness beats through the vast creation. And all things animate and inanimate declare God is love. The meek, Matthew 5, verse 5, shall inherit the earth. This earth is made over again in its Edenic splendor. It will come to its first dominion. Joy and peace will hold hands and dance through the land. War will be no more. The weapons of warfare gone forever. No more fear. No more worry. No more tension. No more anxiety. No more sickness. No more suffering. No more heartache. No more death. I'm looking forward to that land, aren't you? Aren't you? You see, the devil wants to deceive us with some false prophecy. Getting us to think that this all is about ancient, literal Israel. No, my friend. The Bible teaches that the great controversy between Christ and Satan is a universal controversy over faithfulness to God over obedience to God, over the law of God. And that's why Revelation cries out in Revelation 14, 12. Here are the patience, here is the patience of the saints, the endurance of the people of God. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. The devil will attack those end time people. But you and I are on the winning side to live with Christ forever and ever and ever. Let's pray together. Father in heaven. We thank you so much that in the great controversy between good and evil, between Christ and Satan, we can be on your side, the side of Jesus. Help us to be obedient to you, to be faithful to you. Help us know that you are a, going to lead us to win in the great controversy between good and evil. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. That was Mark Finlay coming out of the United States of America for a very, very interesting message. He's an interesting guy. You ever met mm. him, Hunty? I have. Yeah, I haven't. Worked with him, yep. One of the few guys I don't know. Um, and you can pick that message up if you want um, yes. on, I think, YouTube, Hunty. Right. I'm not sure where you'd find it. <laughs> I found it on YouTube somewhere. We might look that up and let you know. Or you can watch your podcast. I'll listen to our podcast. You can't watch our podcast you can't watch anymore. It anymore. No, we used to, but we got thrown. In off fact, those of you who've missed a little bit of it today because of the interruption in the broadcast around the country, feel free to go to our podcast later on tonight to get the bits you missed. I don't think it'll be up tonight. Okay, it usually takes till the fo- well. Will it be up tonight? I I've usually had, can't so, get I've it. I've had success by getting it up around nine, ten o'clock tonight. Okay. Yeah, we'll see. I, I haven't been able to get it up until uh, to listen to it really until the next morning, but that's okay. Now, listen, if you're listening live today, you'll notice there are some problems. Mm. 
For once, it's not coming from this studio. <laughs> no teething problems here, but it has rocked us a bit today, hasn't it, Hunty? It as has. we've been in and out and yeah. on and off, and yeah. some of you won't have been able to listen to the whole program. Look, that's radio. It's no one's fault. These things mm-hmm. happen that's sometimes, right. and we've just got to live with it. That's and, right. Uh, so this will be a, a bit of a, a stop and go, cut and thrust sort of a radio yep. program. Indeed. That's all right. This song is a beautiful song. I'm not sure who's singing it, Hunty, because we have Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin. Yes. Is it his song? I don't know. That's what my that's what my um album artwork says. How can I keep from singing? Yes. The reason I chose it is it's actually one of the songs we sing at church. And it's a beautiful one. Thanks, Hunty. Want to see. 
That's the Seraphs, and it's a, I think it's an Adventist group out of um, Africa, and they're singing one of Chris Tomlin's songs. Oh, is that where I went wrong? <laughs> no, you didn't go wrong. You had it pretty had, much I right. I had the other mark where it said Chris Tomlin on it. Yeah, how can they keep from singing? It's Chris Tomlin's song, but it's the Seraphs, and I'm pretty sure it's an Adventist group from out of Africa. Well, let's do a Bible study, Hunty. Let's. How are you going, mate? You got your Bible there? I do. <laughs> I want to talk about something a lot of people don't talk about a whole lot. If we go to Matthew chapter 16, and I hope you find this interesting because I find these little things in the Bible when I'm doing my own Bible study. I know you do your Bible study, Hunty, and I do mine, and every single day I find something interesting. Mm. And when I find stuff that's interesting, I like to share it. That's my yes. that's my reaction almost instantly, and so I'm blessed that we have this radio show and our our um, social media platforms. But before we get into it, we're going to ask we're going to do ask the Aussie pastor today, Hunty. Yes, of course we are. Let me let me have a plug for it. If you would like to ask a question this afternoon, we'd love to hear from you, and you can text us on zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one, or you can email us, and the email address is theaussiepastor at gmail dot com. Okay, and if you get them in to me, is there still time, Hunty? There is still time. We would love to hear from you. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do this Bible study. Go to Matthew chapter 16. I am. Yes. You know, Jesus was an amazing fellow, a wonderful, wonderful person, actually, and a great God. And what would happen is he would tell the disciples things at times, and they would hear him. But they wouldn't hear him. Yes, I'm like that. I reckon you and me have a relationship like Sadly, that. Sadly, I'm a lot like that with my Bible study oh, and my Holy Spirit as well. I think you and me sometimes talk to each other, <laughs> and we hear each other, but we don't hear. I'm embarrassed to say the Lord has to kick things into my head more than once. Oh, it depends. It depends whether you want to hear it or not a lot of the time too. And I think Jesus was giving them uh, a message here that they didn't want to hear. And sometimes Jesus will give you messages that you don't want to hear. Is that what's going on? And they're the hardest messages of all to accept. I don't mind it when Jesus is telling me I want to hear something. Yep. You know what I mean? So I read something in the Bible I agree with. I'm, I'm 100% for it. I'm cheering for it. Yay, let's go for it. I preach it with gusto yep. and passion and I love it. But when I hear something I don't want to hear mm. from the Bible. Now, mm. for me, when you do your Bible study, what percentage do you not want to hear, Hunty? Because while you're thinking about that, for me, I reckon <laughs> I don't want to hear about 10 to 20% of what I hear in the Bible. How about you? Look, I, I love nearly all of it, but there are some things the Lord keeps kicking me with and it hurts. Yeah, so you don't want to hear it. That's right. I reckon that's 10 to 20 fair. I don't like it. 10 to 20% of the stuff that I come across in Scripture, I don't want to hear it. I don't necessarily want to do it. Yep. I have been born in this world. In some sense, I've been a child of this world. I'm influenced by the things of this world. So when I read the Bible and something leaps out at me and the Holy Spirit starts to talk to me, I don't want to hear it. Mm. You know what? We're living in a world that doesn't want to hear 90% of the truth of what they're hearing in Said the Bible. Said true. Yeah. Yep. And what do you do when you don't want to hear something? Well, you ignore it. Mm. You don't look at it. Or you actually don't hear it. In other words, you hear it, but you don't hear it. I ignored it at my peril. Yeah, mm. yeah. And this is one of those stories where the, Jesus, right the way through his life, is telling the disciples this message, they just don't get it. And when it came to them eventually, it was very tough because they never took notice of Jesus in the first place. Let's look at it. Just read Matthew chapter 16 uh, and verse 21. Mm-hmm. Sure. Only, only verse 21. Sure. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. 
he would be killed. But on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. Okay, what's the message there as you read that? Um, if, if, you were, if you're one of the disciples, what would Jesus... I think it's a pretty simple message. What is Jesus telling them? Well, if I was a disciple, I, I, I think I'd be the same as the disciples and wouldn't be able to believe it. But what's he telling them? What's going to happen? He's going to die. He's going to die. But it's not the only end of the story. It's he'll not come, the he'll come back to life. But I wouldn't hear that. I would just hear, he's going to die. Well, they didn't want to hear it. No. I understand that. Why do you think they didn't want to hear it? Do you, is there a reason? that? Do you know of a reason why well, they didn't I'm, want to hear it? Because there's, me, one, there's one key reason they didn't want to hear I it. I said I can hit it. For, for me, it would be he's the king. He's the ruler. He's the, the greatest ever. How's he going to be killed? Yes. I got a half a, a I think you're mark. talking in a in a 21st century modern contemporary mind. Go okay. back go back to them. These are Hebrew fishermen, uh pretty plain and simple men most of them. Oh, there was a tax collector. Well, how can you and, how can you kill an immortal being? How can you kill yeah, someone who's so powerful? Don't get into the theology of okay. it. Okay. You have to help me. I'm done. They're fishermen. Yep. So they're simple men. Got it. Did they believe in a messiah? Yes and no. What did they think the Messiah would be? Do you know or not really? A saviour. Someone who would wipe out the the people who are ruling at the time. Now you got it. No. You're on to it. So you are a 10 out of 10, man. <laughs> and by the way, I haven't versed Hunty up on this. No, we go he's, cold. He's stretching for the answers. <laughs> These guys thought that Jesus was going the Messiah, not Jesus. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. Yep. But their Messiah was going to be a warrior. Right. And he was going to come with a sword and an army. And what was he going to do, Hunty? He's going to raise the Romans. Throw them out. Mm. Now, we, we went to a few places when we were in Israel, and you get a sense, even to this day, of how much the Jews hated the Romans. Mm. I mean, remember when we went to Masada? Yeah, where they made their, oh, their, final, their final step. Masada, I think it's down south by the Dead Sea, yep. up on a big flat top mountain. One yep. of the most, oh man, I hope the Lord allows us to go there again one day, Hunter. Amazing. One of, one of the highlights of my life, you remember you get in a gondola. Yes. You go up this huge, it seems like a thousands of feet high. It's not, but it seems like that. It's probably hundreds of metres. It's a long way up. Mm. You get up there and there's a fort on the top of it. Today, even today, the Jews, the Jewish soldiers often take their oath of allegiance to Israel and the army or the yep. navy or the air force up there. Yeah, they do. So we went up there and this is where the, the, the Jews made their final step. How much did they hope the Romans? Well, when the Romans broke through eventually, they actually built a ramp up to this huge mountain. It's amazing. When they broke through, do you remember what the Jews had done to themselves, Hunty? Oh, they, they suicided, didn't they? Yeah. Mm. They, rather than be under the yoke of the Romans, they suicided. Mm. So you get a sense of the passion. The whole city, that's the whole city, right? Like all Masada, decided yeah, to go. There, was, there was a few hundred people in it. Mm. But it was, it was the final stand of a long war between the Jews and the Romans. Um, you get a sense, though, when you get up to Masada, the passion and the hate and the, the deliverance that they were looking for from a Messiah, deliverance that most of the Jews to this day are still looking for. Mm. And when I was in Jerusalem, I felt like crying out, hey, your Messiah's already come. His name's Jesus Christ. He's the reason you've got a, a tourist industry today. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of people in Israel today mm. going there, Christians, to yep. walk in the footsteps of Jesus. Yep. Jesus is still blessing Israel. So these Jewish fishermen, uh, tax collectors, followers and disciples of Jesus wanted a warrior Messiah. And what's Jesus telling them, Hunty, in this verse? Uh, that he'd be killed. Do you think they want to hear that? Nope. And I reckon you hit the nail on the head. They only went as far as that. They never even heard him say he'd be resurrected. I wouldn't have heard the resurrection bit either. Oh, I think you, it's a pretty honest appraisal of what happened. Hmm. They heard the kill bit, 
they didn't hear the resurrection thing. They heard it, but they mm. never heard. Mm. And that's still happening to people today. Okay, Hunty, verse 22, because this is where it gets very interesting. Do 22 and 23 together. Sure. Because it seems a bit harsh from Jesus, but when we unpack it, you'll hear and see what's really going on here. So, but Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Hmm. Not often you hear Jesus talk like that. Now, the relationship between Peter and Jesus, what do you make that out to be, Hunty, generally? Well, as disciples, you read the Gospels, so, but he's more than a disciple. He's one of the three, yeah, isn't yeah, he? He's, he's, Peter, James, and John. Yeah, top, top echelon disciple. I mean, when, when Jesus goes up onto the Mount of Transfiguration, remember we went up there where God came down, and there were only three disciples and Jesus there, Peter, mm, James, and John, John and Jesus. Mm. When Jesus was crucified and he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and he's looking for comfort, who does he take? Yep. Peter, James, and John. John. Yep. This man, Peter, is one of his best friends, remained a close friend of Jesus till the end of Peter's life. And Peter says, hey, 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 what you're telling us about the Messiah is not what we want. That won't happen to you. Don't talk like that. And I think we're still saying that about Jesus today. We don't want this sort of Messiah in our 21st century who says serve others and put yourself last. Do we? While the world is crying out for equality and more than equality for their rights. How often do you hear that, Hunty? Mm, mm, my rights. Mm. I want my rights. I want them now. And don't you dare get in the way. And I'll have equality. And if I can get it, I'll even be more equal than you, which is <laughs> yeah. above. You yeah. hear that you do. all the time. Our entire Western culture is built on my rights, on my equality, on me. And Jesus says, hey, it's not about you. It's about you serving others, just like I did. Yep. They wanted a Messiah, the disciples, who was a warrior. And I'm pretty sure we don't want a Messiah who tells us to put ourselves beneath others and serve them. Mm. So I think we have we judge them here. And Jesus had such a reaction to Peter because Jesus was going to the cross to save Peter. Jesus knew that he had to go to the cross. He knew that this was a journey of the Messiah. He was trying to share this with Peter. And he had such a reaction that he said to Peter, get away from Satan. Was he calling Peter Satan? Uh, the spirit of. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're on fire today, Andrew Hunt. That's exactly right. It was the spirit mm. that was driving Peter. So was he talking to Peter or was he talking to another force that yeah, was there? I don't know. He's talking to another force. Yeah. yeah. He's talking about the darkness. He's talking to the darkness, to the demons that were surrounding Peter and putting these ideas in his head. Okay, this is where I like this. And let's take it through right through from 24 to 28 and finish it, Hunty. Okay. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. I think we need, and I'm going to interrupt you, I wasn't going to. (laughs) (laughs) I think we need to take this very seriously if we want to be disciples and followers of Jesus. These are some of the most confronting words in the Bible. Remember I said at the beginning, uh, 80, 90% of the Bible I like, 10, 20% I don't. This is one that I don't particularly, what's the word, bond to. Mm. I'm a guy who naturally defaults to putting my foundations deep into this earth, hunty. Mm. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to own my own home, wanted to own my own car, wanted to have enough money to go on holidays, digging my foundations deep, thinking about myself. Yep. That's not what Jesus says here, and I find it very challenging. Go on, mate. Start at verse 24 again. Okay, verse 24. Okay. Then Jesus said to his disciples, 
If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang onto your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He's just saying there, man, mm. if you want to hang on to the things of this world and serve me at mm. the same time, mm. it's not going to happen. Mm. But if you're prepared to serve, to make others, I'm going to say it again, above yourself. How hard's that in our culture? Mm. Jesus said, then great will be your reward. Go on. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world? But lose your own soul. That's right. Is anything worth more than your soul? No, it's not. For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Scary stuff, auntie. And I'll tell you the truth. Some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in oh, his kingdom. Oh, we've got 25 seconds. I can we can stretch it. We're going, nah, it's all right. We're going to go back to that verse next week. I designed it like that, auntie. Uh, did you? Yeah. Jesus is saying here, if you want to serve me, you better put away your selfish ways. You better put away yourself. You better put away all uh, desires and all longings for equality and beyond equality. And you know what I mean by that, auntie? Yes. You better put them all away because if you're going to serve me, you're going to be a servant. You're going to serve others. You're going to give before you take. This is a really challenging message. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow it next week, Hunty, because yep. it gets even more challenging. I hope I've given you a little bit of, uh, well, I hope Hunty and I've given you a little bit of food for thought, challenged you. Where are you in life? Is your life about you? Is it about your good? Is it about your wealth? Is it about your future? Or are you where Jesus was? Have you got others at the top of your pyramid? Or is it yourself? Big, big question. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. Now, Tremaine and Mahalia. Tremaine is a African American singer who was active in the fifties and sixties, maybe up to the seventies. Hunty Mahalia is an African American singer who is around to this day. Both are Christian gospel singers. But Tremaine, who stayed with the Lord her whole life, has been a mentor and inspiration for Mahalia, who it seems disappeared off the track for a while, hunty. Mm -hmm. And then she came back to the Lord. Now, Tremaine, who's dead, who'd had an impact on Mahalia, coming back to the Lord, was also, they're both tremendous singers. And so what Mahalia does here is she takes a track, a song called I Found the Answer, and she sings it with her friend and mentor, Tremaine, who's died. You get what I'm saying here, mm-hmm, auntie? Mm-hmm. And they sing it together. And she also infuses it with a bit of her testimony when she came back to Jesus. Now, the sound quality, Hunty's really worked really hard on this. No, I actually found a different, different version of the Oh, quote. you did find a different. <laughs> yes. So it's a good quality, is it? It's much better, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I was giving you some bright yeah, So of, they never thought it was your yeah, sound. Grace. Listen to this song. It's very powerful. And try and pick up, if you can, the testimony of this woman, uh, Beautiful singer, Mahalia, as she comes back to the Lord and sings with her mentor, long past, now sleeping in the grave, Tremaine. I found the answer. Now let me tell you a story of someone sad. All their hopes were gone 
Their days were long and dreary. They couldn't even carry on. But then they found the courage to keep their head up high. And you know what? Once again, they're happy. And here's the reason why. I've found the answer. That's as good as they come. <laughs> Very good. I really, really enjoyed that. I think because the song is one that resonates deep in my own heart. I found the answer. I learned to pray. And what a tremendous song and how beautifully both of those uh, beautiful ladies sang it. That's Tremaine and Mahalia. 
Mm. Good, good song. Hey, who's the most famous person you know, Andrew Hunt? Uh, I've met I've met Tony Abbott. So we, 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 we did that the other week, we did. didn't we? Tony Abbott's the most famous well, person. Well, I've also met uh, Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you said that. Yes. <laughs> so that's the smugness point. I believe you. I believe you, but I really struggle with that last one. I believe you. I, I believe know, you. Right? I know. I, I know but right? I believe in faith. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think I said the one I've, the most famous person I've ever met is Dr. Ben Carson, Carson who yep. served in Donald Trump's presidency. Um Barack Obama, 44th President of the United States of America and the Seventh-day Adventist. Did you know that there's actually a background there? Listen to this dude, Hunty, mm-hmm. for a second, and then I'm going to comment on yep. it. Okay. Who talks about Barack Obama's history and his family history in the Seventh-day Adventist church. Very, very interesting. Thanks for joining us. During this week in 1909... A.A. Karskalen reported his progress spreading the gospel in Kenya to Adventist review readers. Writing of the considerable challenges he faced, in seven words he stated his reason for leaving America to pioneer the work in Kenya. The real need here is the gospel. Born in Ontario, Canada in 1879, Arthur Asa Karskalen was baptized into the Adventist church at 20 and upon receiving ministerial training at Union and Newbold, accepted a call to start the work in Kenya with his new bride, Helen Thompson, and a Malawian named Peter Nyambo, his classmate at Newbold, the three left for East Africa in late 1906. Karskalen was a superintendent of the British East Africa mission for 13 years. During that time, he, Helen, and Nyambo were instrumental in establishing numerous mission stations, health clinics, schools, printing presses, and churches throughout the region. Impressively, Karskalen mastered the Luo language, becoming the first to write it. He published the only grammar textbook and dictionary in the Luo tongue at the time and translated portions of the New Testament. One individual Karskalen won to Adventism was Anyango Obama from Kendu Bay, on the shore of Lake Victoria. Nine years old at the time the Karskalans arrived, Anyango attended Adventist boarding school and later much of his family followed his lead and became Seventh-day Adventist Christians. To this day, many of the Obama family members are Seventh-day Adventists. By the way, Anyango Obama was the grandfather of the 44th President of the United States of America, Barack Obama. And that was this week in so there you go, Hunty. Huh. Barack Obama, 44th President of the United States of America, mm. has history with the Seventh-day Adventist Church. But, mm. kind of always interesting to do stuff like that, but it doesn't really prove anything will matter. No, it doesn't. Do you know what I mean? Agreed. It's kind of, we all like to name drop, and I think we're doing it positively there, not negatively, by the way, Hunty. Mm. And we name drop. I know Ben Carson. Fact is, I don't really, and if he met me, he wouldn't know, have a clue who I was, <laughs> even though I'm, he came to my church. Yep. Um, the guys you know, John Howard probably wouldn't have a clue who you are either. Not Tony and Muhammad, Abbott. Uh, Muhammad, uh, not John Howard, Tony Abbott. I get those two mixed up. I met them both. <laughs> um, name dropping's fine, yes. but I can name drop one person I do know, Hunty, who is the most famous of all. Read First Chronicles for me, mate, please. Sure. Chapter 29, verse 10 to 12. 
O Lord, the God of our our ancestor Israel, may you be praised forever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Everything in the heavens and on earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone, for you rule over everything. Power and might are in your hand, and at your discretion, people are made great and given strength. We know God. That's it. The most powerful, majestic, king of the earth, king of the world, and king of the universe. And if you want to, and this is not name dropping, hunty, mm. if you want to, you can know him too. You're listening to the Aussie Pastor here on Faith FM. And one thing I know about God is He loves us. Mm-hmm. He loves us with a depth. He loves us with a vastness. He loves us with a bigness that we cannot ever begin to comprehend. And this song, got to tell you, is one of my favorite hymns from Robin Mark, Love Vast as the Ocean. It was written 100 plus years ago in the middle of a great revival in Wales. And it's talking about the marvelous, wonderful love of God. So when you listen to this song, remember that it's an old, old song of faith and God and his love, someone we can all know. We can all know this God and his love for mankind. Love vast as the ocean, Robin Mark. Love, fast as the ocean, love without 
so true. Love vast as the ocean by Rowan Mark. Well, you know what, listeners? It's my favourite segment, Ask the Aussie Pastor, where I get to hold a magnifying glass out in the sun over the Aussie Pastor like a little ant and see him fry. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's our first question? Thanks, for that, thanks for that encouragement. <laughs> yeah, be blessed, brother. <laughs> Okay, you ready for it? Are you up to go? Should I give a little plug for our number? Yeah, you know what? It's not too late. If you want to send us a question ever, it's zero four double eight double eight zero eight five one. That's our SMS number. Or you can email us, theaussiepastor at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, first question. Was Jesus our mediator before the cross? Yeah. It's yep. going to be a short segment. <laughs> yeah, he was. Definitely. He was How medi- so? From the time Adam and Eve fell... Jesus was the in-between. In other words, he's the one who stood between us and God. John 14, 6 says, um, I am the, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father, and we need to get this, no one comes to the Father but through me. You're actually on a hobby horse here now, of mine, honey. Okay. No one can get through to God except they go through Jesus. That's why Jesus is so important. You don't go through Mary. You don't go through any of the apostles, any of the disciples, no pastor. You don't go through other Christians. You go through no one else but Jesus to get to God. Don't go through Muhammad. You don't go through Buddha. They're just ordinary men. You go through Jesus, who is God himself. But he became a man, came down, took our sins, and went to the cross. They call it an intercessor, hunty, or mm-hmm. a mediator. He's just a go-between. If you want to get to God, you've got to go through Jesus. So when I sing in the choir next to, remember the story I have, Hunty, of this old man I used to sing with, and uh, I was talking about this at church on Sabbath, um, and I, I might put this, I might put this. Um, Come on, mate, tell us the story. Tell us the story. This dude can't sing for nuts, and I can sing in tune, but I get next to him, and I just go and ride out of tune. <laughs> so we're in this choir, men's choir, and we're both way off while everybody else, excellent singers, are way on. God listens to that. That music from my old mate and me, way off tune, goes through. Through Jesus to God, and it's a beautiful thing. Mm. That's what that's what that's what an intercessor is a mediator. When I pray, I don't always say the right things. I can get angry with God. I can get frustrated. Sometimes I'm just not as respectful as I could be. God forbid. But you know, sometimes we're human and we're emotional, and a whole lot of things come out in our prayers, and they should. But they go through Jesus, and when they get to God, they're a beautiful thing. Get what an intermediate, what a mediator is, an intermediary is, hunty. This is an intercessor. I think this is a very special version of that. Uh, what's that? Hunt? A very special version of of, of uh, what is what you've just described? Because, yeah, yeah. Because you put in you put in rubbish and it comes out pure. That's, well, it's not rubbish. It's you. It's your best. And, 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 yeah, filthy it's, rags. It's, it's often our best, but we're human and yeah. we're, we're not God and we don't live in His perfect world and we're yeah. not His standard. So Jesus comes down, becomes one of us, takes our sins to the cross, gets the right to stand between us and God, and he takes us to God. So effectively, I'm taken by God into his blue lapis lazuli throne room. That's the colour. I think I got that right for once. You did. Yep. Taken there by Jesus to God and with Jesus... Completely immersed in Jesus, I talk to God. That's a mediator. So when Adam and Eve sinned, Jesus put skins on them, took away their nakedness because they were naked. Great story. Hmm. He's an intermediate. He's an intermediate. He's a mediator. When Moses wanted to see God in Exodus 33, he's in the rock. 
He's behind a rock and he wants to see God. God's, he's up on Mount Sinai, hunty. Mm. Uh, God walks past. Can I see you, God? No, you can't. Why not? Because if you're a, hu- because you're a human being, if you try to see me, you'll die. But I want to see you, God. You're asking me to take the children of Israel, the Hebrews through the desert, from freedom, from, from slavery to freedom in Egypt, from Egypt to Israel. I want to see you. I want to see the God who's behind me, who's giving the power, who's leading me, who's walking with me. Let me see you. You can't say, God, if you do, you'll die. Mm. But God says, I'll do this. I'll put you behind that rock. In fact, more than that, I'll put you in the middle of the rock. I'll put you in the cleft of the rock. That's in the shadow of the rock. And then as I walk by, you can look at my mm. back, but through the rock. Go and read the story next. Mm, it's a great story. There you've got a mediator. The rock Bible, 1 Corinthians 10, the Bible says to us, and I think it's verse 13, Christ is the rock, the mm. mediator. Mm. So here's Moses in this rock, looks through the rock at God and sees God, and he lives. Do, do you get it, hunty? What do you have to do to get this mediator to mediate for you? All you've got to do is ask him. Outside just prayer? Yeah, just say, Jesus, be my mediator. Be my saviour. That's what a saviour is. And, and it just goes on. I can take you to the, to, to, to the book of Zechariah, mediator, uh, the book of Matthew 22, mediator, the story. Uh, it just goes on and on. Right through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, Jesus is the mediator. He is the in-between. He's the only way we can go to God. So yes, 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 yes. He was a mediator from the beginning. And he'll be the mediator. He'll be your mediator. He'll be the one who takes you to God while you're in fallen flesh until the day he changes you when he comes the second. Nice. In the second coming. Nice. You'll love this. Next I, hope, I hope everyone got that. I'm going to say that it. again. I got it. Jesus will be your mediator until he comes again. While you are in fallen human flesh, you need a mediator. You need a, a go between. You need someone to take you to Jesus. Nice. Yep. If you could only preach one more sermon, what would it be? That one. <laughs> Thank you for having sent that question. Thank you for putting in that order, Hunter. Okay. That one. Very good. I would teach and preach. If I had one sermon left, I'd say, hey, you're a sinner. You've let yourself down. You're ashamed. That's where I've been. You've been naked. I'm talking symbolically, spiritually, before God come to Jesus. He'll put his robe of his righteousness around you. You're instantly ready to go to heaven. And I'd preach it from Zechariah chapter 3, Matthew chapter 22, and Luke chapter 15. I might preach that live one day here online. That'd be good. Mm. Nice. All right, what have we got left? We've got 30 seconds left. Let me find a short question. Any questions. Okay. Do the next one in order. Oh, okay. Are you uncomfortable with the murder, blood, mayhem, polygamy, and immorality in the Bible? Yes. That was a quick answer. Yeah, because I've only got 20 seconds left. Okay. But the reality is I'm uncomfortable, and I'll tell you why I'm uncomfortable. Because the Bible tells life in the Old and the New Testament as it is. It doesn't hide it. It doesn't try to make out it something other than what it is. The Bible is graphically real about the times it was written in and the things that happened and the mercy and the love of God to fallen man. And that's what this last song was about, Hunty. My Redeemer from Fountain View Academy talking about a Jesus who came down and saved us from the muck and the hurt and the pain of this old world. As I look back on this road I've traveled I see so many times He's carried me through And if there's one thing That I've learned in this life My Redeemer Is faithful and true 
Thank you for joining us on a turbulent day, Hunty, mm. for our listeners. Yes. Our live listeners anyway. If you're not listening to this live, not so turbulent. But for our live listeners, you've been on and off. Thanks for joining us anyway. We'll be back stronger than ever next week. We Let's will. pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us today. Bless us now as we go away and bring us back next week to a peaceful radio day that works, is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. My name is Lloyd Grollam and I'm the Aussie pastor. And my name's Hunty and I'm the tech. And we love you, but... Jesus loves you so much more. We will, Hunty. See you next time. Goodbye and God bless. Thanks for joining the Aussie pastor. If you enjoyed today's program and would like to find out more about Jesus, our ministry, always to support us, go to findjesus.tv. 